Information shared on the following program is for general information purposes only. It does not constitute legal, tax, investment, or other advice, nor is it intended to recommend any particular investments, products, or financial instruments. Always seek advice from your financial advisor, attorney, or accountant with regard to investment, legal, or tax questions. What do you get when you mix a politician with a mathematician? Good intentions and unintended consequences. Welcome to the only show in the country dedicated to helping savers worry less about money, the Worry-Free Retirement, with your host, Tony Walker. If you got it, you don't need it. If you need it, you don't got it. You don't get it, shame on you. Funny, funny, funny what money can do. Them that have it, get more of it. The less they need it, the more they love it. And it sticks to them like glue. Funny, funny, funny what money can do. Welcome to the Worry-Free Retirement. I am that little man in the sweater vest, 401k rollover specialist and fiduciary Tony Walker. And uh, before we get started with today's show, we want to welcome America's favorite financial sidekick right here from our Louisville offices as we record the show on December 17th, 2019. Aaron Orander. Aaron, good morning. Hey, good morning, sir. Have a nice drive in. It looks like it's snowing out there a yeah, little bit. Yeah, it was good and snowy on the way in. Yeah. Megan, our assistant technical director over there working hard. So we're ready to go here. And I don't know if you caught the gist of the intro there, Aaron. Uh, you know, we were planning for the TV show, which we will also record today. And that's kind of our theme, folks, is when politicians get together, just like we humans, I'm going to share with you an embarrassing moment I had. When politicians get together and craft law that is intended, good intentions folks, intended to help you and I with our retirement planning, sometimes there are unintended consequences. And uh, we are going to today and for the next two weeks talk about something called the required minimum distribution. And before you tune me out and go, oh my gosh, this sounds boring. This is going to be some really good stuff and important stuff because if you own a 401k thrift savings account, uh, 403b plan, maybe you've got a lump sum pension, an IRA, maybe you've just got an IRA. Uh, whether you like to uh, want to hear this news or not, uh, there are some consequences to owning those particular investments because when you turn 70 and a half, age 70 and a half, no reason for that logic, folks. Again, that's, uh, that's what happens again when you let politicians start planning our retirement, but basically at 70 and a half, that's called your required minimum distribution. You're going to have to take money out of those accounts and you're going to have to, listen, more than likely, depending on your tax bracket, cough it up. <laughs> you're going to have to deal with that unsightly tax tumor and you're going to have to pay taxes. So that's kind of the theme today in the next two weeks. The idea of all of us starting out with very good intentions and in the end, uh, we have unintended consequences. So Aaron, before we went on, I'll share my most embarrassing moment first, and then you said you're gonna share one of yours, correct? Okay. Okay. So mine, okay, so the theme again, folks, again, if you're just now joining us, good intentions, unintended consequences. So over the years, you know my kids are all grown now, Aaron, but I used to constantly be fooling with basketball goals. I had little goals, big goals, these big gorilla goals. And I was always out there monkeying around with the nets and tightening up the goal, the rim itself. So one day everybody was gone and I thought, well, I was in a hurry, I have to admit. I think I was getting ready to go somewhere. <clears throat> and I noticed I'd been shooting ball with Anthony and the rim was rattling a little bit. You know how when a ball hits it, it rattles? Well, I didn't like that. 
So I rush out there, I put up the step ladder. By the way, I could have taken my time and lowered the backboard. You know how they have those lowering backboards? Could have done that and just stood there and tightened it up. But no, old Tony was in a hurry. So I'm heading out of the garage, grab an eight foot ladder, climb up the step ladder. I've got my wrench in hand. And when I got up there, really where I positioned the ladder was not in a good spot. So I had to reach around the goal. Can you picture this? Aaron? I'm with you. Yeah, reaching around the goal. And I start yanking on that wrench and on that nut. Well, all of a sudden the wrench slips off the nut. Remember, I've got one hand on the rim to hold my balance, the other hand on the wrench. Hits me square above the lip. Mm. I mean hard. Uh, literally, it knocks me back. Well, I grab the rim harder with my left hand, so I've got the wrench on my right. The ladder flies out from under me. So I drop the wrench and I grab onto the rim with my other hands. You visualize it. Now this. you're Air Jordan, Air Walker. <laughs> Air Walker. But it's not that simple because underneath me, the ladder is crashed and it's laying sideways. So I can't just drop. I'm looking there. Well, the first thing I do actually is I look around. Why do you think I looked around? See if anybody could help you. <laughs> no, see if anybody see saw See if anybody this. was watching you. Yeah, I was so embarrassed. I, I wasn't even concerned about the lip, which turned out to need six stitches, by the way. And uh, some, so, so I'm trying to look down below me and I finally just drop. And I spread my legs and luckily don't land on the ladder and I didn't get hurt further, but I had, you know, six stitches. But I'm thinking, okay, good intentions. Went out there, got in a hurry and almost literally killed myself. All right, your, your good intention, unintended consequence moment. Uh, okay, uh, I guess it was a few years ago. I'd been working for you for a few months and it had snowed really hard one weekend and... Uh, the sister and brother-in-law called me up and said, hey, we're taking the girls sledding. You and Jess and Preston want to go? And I was like, yeah, sure, we'll go. So we went. Oh, wait a minute. I think I remember this. You remember go this? Ahead. I, now I'm remembering. Go ahead. Yeah. And right. uh, my brother-in-law, you know, had a, you know, like a, it was like a boogie board. It wasn't an actual sled. It was more kind of like a boogie board that, you know, you use in the ocean. But it was good for sledding. So he kicked it over to me, kind of, you know, goading me, kind of whatever, to try to stand on it and slide down oh my and gosh. no clue what i was thinking but so i stood on it i got about five feet whoop, flipped right out from underneath me i landed on my shoulder which at the time i thought oh i just you know sprained my shoulder you know i played basketball growing up i've sprained my ankles a hundred times that's exactly what it felt like so so i get up and go over to this tree and i'm holding on to it trying to stretch my shoulder out thinking i've sprained it so you know oh good thing gosh. is to stretch it Jess and my sister were like, what are you doing? Stop. And I was like, no, I think I'm okay. Well, long story made short, we get home. I couldn't even get my clothes off. Jess had to cut my shirt off of me. And as soon as the shirt like cascaded off my shoulder, I had this real big pocket right here where my shoulder was supposed to be. And I looked oh at Jess gosh. and went, oh, we need to go to the hospital. <laughs> so I had dislocated my shoulder, but... I'm you know, that's that's what I get for showboating. That's what yeah. I get for trying to be a hot dog. That is so not funny, funny, but I forgot that happened to you right after we'd kind of started. Oh, I we remember. were supposed to be on TV the next day that's and right. everything. I had to call you at, that's, I think, 12 o'clock that night and was like, uh, I'm not going to be in tomorrow. Oh, man. <laughs> that's, that's a good one. I forgot all about that. Well, and so, folks, what we're going to be talking about today is a bunch of politicians getting together in 19, actually it was 86, I believe. 78 is when the politicians enacted into law the 401k, but it was actually in 1986 when they decided to make us start taking money out when we turned 70 and a half. So when I return, we're going to first make sure you understand a little bit about the government's history of doing retirement planning and how that's turned out so far. 
and why this recent bill that they've passed in Congress, it hasn't been voted on in the Senate, could be a real humdinger of good intentions and unintended consequences. You're listening to The Worry-Free Retirement. I'm Tony Walker. I'll be right back. Have you recently retired, been laid off, or offered a pension buyout? Has the company you worked for moved, been acquired, or closed its doors forever? And finally, do you have a 401k with a previous employer you'd like to move to safer territory? Then take advantage of this opportunity to move your 401k or lump sum pension to Tony Walker Financial. Let's meet in person to discuss your retirement options. Log on now to TonyWalkerFinancial.com to schedule your free, no obligation appointment. Let us help you today. According to an article written by Adam Kazda, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, it's spelled K-A-Z-D-A, entitled Social Security, colon, Good Intentions, Unintended Consequences. According to Mr. Kazda, he did some research on this, and there is actually, we're going to talk about this on our TV show, The Worry for Your Retirement. We got a picture of this young lady, but the first ever beneficiary of the Social Security system was Miss Ida May. You like that name, Ida May? I don't know why that's, I didn't That's an old-timey name. Oh, I you don't, don't hear a lot of Idas anymore. Well, Ida May. You know, yeah. Everybody had two names back then. My mom was Evelyn Joe. That's what she went by. I think it's because they were calling kids in before it got dark. It just sounds a lot better to say, Ida May, get in here. Yeah, my grandpa was Mary, William David. Huh? William David. William that David. was my grandfather. Yeah. And they usually went by both names. But anyway... So Ida May, check this out. Now remember, the Social Security system was enacted into law in 1935. Okay, so shortly after that, she apparently was the first one that ever filed a claim on Social Security in 1939. So she was the one that went and said, okay, give me my money. I guess I'm eligible for this stuff. Remember, nobody really knew much about Social Security. Her first check started on January 31st, 1940. Again, she'd only worked three years in the system. See, the system had just started, so she'd only worked three years. A whopping $22.54. That's how much she got paid. Now, here's what's interesting, though. If you go back and do the math, she had only paid in approximately $891 because she only worked about three years when the act was put in place, and then she retired. You following so this? So eight hundred and ninety dollars over three years that she had paid. Okay. She had paid in while she was working. Now she's okay. retiring. Well, guess Ida May lived till age a hundred, so she got to collect twenty two dollars and fifty four cents for the rest of her life, totaling. This is what the Social Security benefit had to be. Now this is why this is really bad math. She puts in eight hundred ninety one dollars. That's all she's paid in. Us, the taxpayers in the Social Security system, have to pay her back over $22,000 in benefits. Now, how long is that going to work? Nah, no. Okay, that is not going to work, folks. So it was the first sign that politicians make lousy mathematicians and should stay out of the retirement planning field, but that has not kept them from doing that. In fact, again, now we fast forward, so they're going to enact the 401k plan, 1978, everybody's what happened was that is everybody started moving away, the employers started moving away from the guaranteed pensions that they were providing. Quite frankly, employers didn't want to keep providing these pensions because just like the Social Security, a lot of risk. Again, what if people are, were like Ida May and they live a long time? That's, that's risky. That means they're going to pay out more. 
That's why to this day, pensions have kind of gone the way of the dinosaur. Very, very few young people even know what a pension is. Um, and the problem is we've got about $28 trillion that's locked up in 401ks and IRAs and 403bs. And with 10,000 baby boomers retiring each day, or at least hitting retirement age, we got a problem. We have the issue of taxation on all this $28 trillion. So the question is, Aaron, if we got $22 trillion in debt, and there's $28 trillion in these government-controlled qualified accounts, 401ks, et cetera, where might the government be able to go to to get money to pay on this national debt? Right, out of, right out of the 401k. Okay. So the RMD, folks, think what's happening here. Many of you are putting off enjoying your money. You've been duped into thinking this 70 and a half is the age that you begin start taking it out. What I would say is if you're under 70 and a half, and we're going to go into this next week. By the way, yeah, next week we're going to cover what do you do to deal with the RMD before 70 and a half. Then the following week on this radio program, we'll deal, we'll deal with what do you do to deal with the RMD if you've already turned 70 and a half. But irregardless, if you have the 70 and a half age really was meant by the government. Again, they started this in 1986. They realized, well, you just can't let people just keep deferring all these taxes. We need that revenue back. So what happened was they forced people, all of us, to start taking it out. And there's some government tables on this. But wait, before I tell you, before we do this, Aaron, I, for the fun of it, I want to do something. Now, by the way, folks, I'm not saying we should have never created Social Security. I don't mean that. But here's what's interesting about Social Security. Um, employees have to pay in about 7.5%. You understand that, Aaron, that mm. FICA tax. You see that on your payroll check that I pay you. Right. Okay. And you realize I have to match that, don't you? Okay. You know I have to pay 7.5% on your 7.5%? I've heard you talk about it before, okay. yes. Well, it's, it's very painful. And the reason you don't probably understand since you're not a business owner, you're probably thinking, well, whatever. But it's a big number. So Aaron, he pays in 7.5% every year, whatever wages I pay him. Then as his employer, I have to match that. So that's roughly 15%. So I'm going to use an example here. Let's say Aaron and Jessica, let's just for the heck of it, say they're both 35 and they have a combined household income of $100,000 for the rest of their life. You with me on this, Aaron? I know this I'm is like Charles. $100,000? You're going to pay me $100,000? All right, all right. Well, we, got, joint we got it on record. Okay, go ahead. Joint, joint. I, quali I, look, I knew you would say that. So, <laughs> all right. So, but what if they didn't have Social Security? And what if we just took that same 15% rather than putting it in the government's coffers, not knowing what's going to happen? And we invested on our own every year. That'd be 15000 a year, 15% 15 of 100000 for 30 years. And let's say on average, Aaron and Jessica could get 5%. That means at age 65, at their disposal, Aaron, you all would have over $1 million at your disposal. That sounds nice. So now you're funding Social Security now. What is going to be, quote, at your disposal at 65? Can you take it out lump sum? No. Uh, what if you and Jessica pay into the system and both of you croak at age 70? What happens to all that money? Does it go to your kids? Nope, goes right back into the back system. Back into the system. So, we, so Social Security, while it can help, and we have people, obviously we build that into your retirement income plan, but we see that it's not really was a very good system for Joe Lunchbox, and we see the problem as people live longer and longer, and as we have fewer and fewer workers, especially those that are making good wages to pay in that 7.5%, uh, there is going to be a day of wrecking, reckoning. Um, so 
what, what we've done now is we're segueing over to the 401k. We're trying to determine whether these good intentions of creating a savings plan by the government known as the 401k are going to have the unintended consequences of risk, uncertainty, and taxes. So before we talk about the RMD, let's, let's make sure you understand everything that you've got in there, folks, I call it a tax tumor. Everything you've got in that 401k is going to be subject to taxes. Now, what are those taxes? Well, currently, for most of our saver clients, depending on your income, you're going to be below, right at or below, about a 22% tax bracket. And based on historical taxes, that's very, very low. So in 2026, that current tax law, which is very low for most savers, is going to expire. So what does that mean? Well, that means that potentially taxes could go up. So if you're sitting there and you're, let's say you're 63, 64 years of age, and you're putting off spending your 401k or IRA, that's fine. You can do that. And if you want to wait till 70 and a half, what can happen is that money could be taxed at a higher rate. Now, it's interesting with this recent House bill that they passed, they have inserted into that bill the ability to defer taking your money, your RMD, not at 70 and a half, but at 72. Now, why in the world would they do that? Well, my thoughts are they're doing that because the tax rates are going to go up. That's my belief. If they encourage you to defer taking money out now or the next couple of years before 2026 and you say, oh gosh, I, great, I can put off the pain another two years. Well, that's that more likelihood that you're going to be in a higher tax bracket. So this part of the bill was not a good part of the bill. I think to leave it at 70 and a half is fine. This is why I think they extended the uh, to 72. The second part of this bill that I have a real, real problem with, really concerned about, uh, let's, let's, imagine, let's imagine this. Let's say you're 70 years of age. You just started your required minimum distribution. Maybe you're single and you die. What happens to that tax tumor? What happens to that 401k or IRA? Well, obviously you've got a named beneficiary. So that would go on to the named beneficiary, but that named beneficiary, if it is not a spouse, currently under the current law, can do what's called a stretch IRA meaning they take the money out gradually over time, which allows them to spread the tax over their lifetime, which is very, very helpful if they want to do that. Right now, they're going to take that away from them. That advantage is gone. So what they've done is they've, ex they've minimized the stretch IRA rather than for the rest of the beneficiary's life. That beneficiary is going to have to take that, got that out done, in yeah. 10 years. Now, again, why would they do that? My belief is they want to do that because you've put off taking the money, we get back in a higher tax environment here in the next few years, possibly. Then you die. Then you leave it to the kids. Then they have to take the money out. They don't, they don't have a choice. And now with the new law, they're wanting them to take it out in 10 years, which is going to be a windfall of tax revenue for the government. So good intentions, maybe unintended consequences for you that are possibly very, very negative. Absolutely. You know, by the way, if you would like to meet to just look at your 401k, IRA, thrift savings account, 403b, maybe you've got a lump sum pension that's available to you and you just want to sit down and admit, visit with an experienced retirement specialist, why don't you consider giving us a call? The number is 877-499-9255. That's 877-499-WALK. Well, when we come back, another unintended consequence, I have not heard anybody, anybody, talk about this unintended consequence with all these baby boomers hitting retirement. 
with the minimum distribution rules moved back to 72 and a half, with now the possibility that heirs, your beneficiaries, your children, will have to take this money out in 10 years, could all of this have an effect on the stock market? I truly believe it could, and nobody's talking about this issue, but I will. I'm Tony Walker. I'll be right back. Who can you trust? It's one of the most important decisions you'll have to make. Question is, are you ready? Well, we're here to help at Tony Walker Financial. You know, we care more about you than we do your money, and we have over 2,000 happy clients and an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau to prove it. Rolling over a 401k, confused about Social Security, maybe you're afraid of running out of money. Learn how to use and enjoy and protect your hard-earned money. Log on now to TonyWalkerFinancial.com and let's get started. Worried about running out of money in retirement? For a limited time, five-time author and retirement specialist Tony Walker is making available his latest book, Mailbox Money for Life. For your free copy, simply log on to TonyWalkerFinancial.com. And now it's time for Tony in the Trenches. Our uh, Tony in the Trenches question is, Tony, I'm getting ready to turn 70 and a half and I have an old 401k that's still with a previous employer. And I also have two separate IRA accounts that I've saved over the years. Uh, when I turn 70 and a half, this person asks, do I have to take money out of all three accounts for the required minimum distribution or can I take the RMD out of just one account? And this is a very good question because the government, so said, let me set the stage, this person has three different basically IRAs, 401ks, IRAs, same thing. So now they're 70 and a half and the government shares the calculation. Each institution gets a notice saying, okay, pay up. We want that minimum distribution paid out so we can collect our tax revenue. The person does not have to do this. In fact, in our offices, Leanne Powell and Heather Hughes are in charge of what we call RMD planning. What we do every year for our clients at no cost or no additional cost to them, we look at their different IRAs because through our split IRA concept, we generally have more than two IRAs per person, usually. So what we do is we try to understand which IRA is the best to take the RMD out of. See, the government doesn't care where you take it out of. You do not have to take it out of all three. You do have to calculate the RMD based on all three. So in fact, I ran a uh, minimum distribution calculation, if you had 300000 that first year, you got to take out about $11,300. So let's imagine you had 150000 maybe in a fixed annuity of that three hundred, and you had $150,000 of the three hundred with our Charles Schwab platform. And let's say you wanted to be pretty frisky with that Charles Schwab platform. So we've got it pretty much in the market. The annuity is safe and secure. It's not going anywhere. And right before you get ready to take your RMD distribution of 11,000, let's say we had originally planned on you taking the whole thing out of Schwab and the market crashes. Well, let me tell you something, folks. This is a problem because the government doesn't care if the markets crash. They're going to want their money, which means you're going to have to take your RMD at a loss. Basically, you're taking it out of an account that's down, which effectuates a loss, which is not good. But what we could do is we could go over to the annuity and say, wait a minute, don't take it out of the Schwab account. The annuity is guaranteed. Let's take it out of there. So that's what we mean while, by, about the split IRA concept and why this split IRA concept is more than just accumulating money for retirement. 
It is set up with the know-how and expertise of over 35 years in the trenches and all of the staff that's trained. We, it is set up so that we know when and where to take this RMD from and to make sure it's much more strategic in nature. So here's my thoughts on this. Let's imagine, now let's go back in time, and I didn't run the calculations, I'm not gonna bore you with that, but I'm just gonna set the scenario. This is what nobody's talking about. All right, we've got 10,000 people turning 65 every day. We've got the ability of the government to change the laws and push off the minimum distribution age to 72 instead of 70 and a half. And then through this same bill, we have the ability for the Congress to possibly pass into law the idea that beneficiaries who once under current law could extend those payments over their lifetime, thus reducing the amount of taxes owed, to now it's only 10 years. And you say, Tony, I don't know what this has to do with anything. Who cares? I'll just take it out. Well, you can take it out if you want to, but let's imagine 10,000 other baby boomers that same year are getting ready to take out a big distribution. And if they're in the stock market, that means 10,000 people are selling a bunch of stock to liquidate it into cash. You got to get it to cash, folks, in order to pay the RMD. You don't pay it with stock. You have to get it to cash. The government wants a check. They don't want a stock certificate. So now all of a sudden, all of this money is liquidated into cash, the stocks. And my question is, who's going to buy them? Think about that for a minute. So the definition of fair market value, listen closely, and it's going to tie into what I'm referring to here, is willing buyer, willing seller, neither the buyer nor seller is under compulsion to buy nor sell. So what we're saying here is in true fair market value, oh, I've got a good example. Um, Aaron, uh, do you notice this? And, you know, I'm in Bowling Green and Louisville a lot. Do you notice in Louisville there are a lot of apartment buildings going up? Yeah, there are. In Bowling Green, they're just proliferating. There's some houses being built, which is true, but the number of apartment buildings, I've never seen anything like it. Now, what if you forecast it in the future, if everybody now is living in apartments instead of buying houses, what does that mean in possibly 20 years? Now, this is speculation, but what could happen? You got any thoughts on that? With what exactly? The future of selling the houses. Oh. So the people that are in the houses, if more and more people are renting apartments, what does that say about houses in the future, potentially? I mean, it says that people are not wanting to buy houses, that the market could, well, it could go either way, honestly. But, I mean, more than likely, the, you know, the prices of houses could go down because they're trying to sell them. They're and trying there's to, you not know, as many buyers. Right, not as many buyers. Lots of sellers, fewer right. buyers. Right. That's called a buyer's market. You can go out and... Yeah, so the same thing is what I'm a little worried about. So what we're describing here is fair market value. Willing buyer, willing seller, neither under compulsion to buy nor sell. So I always wonder about this. We live in a decent-sized home. You know, I look at my wife sometimes and I say, Honey, in 20 years, let's say we are still alive and decide to sell this home, is there anybody around, these younger people, number one, are they going to be able to afford it? Number two, are they even going to want it? Uh, my youngest son, Anthony, I mean, he could care less about a house. He lives in an apartment and loves it. So... Again, what's the value of that house in the future? Let's take the stock market. Let's get back to that. What are the values of these stocks? Now, again, folks, this is speculation, but I think it, I think it bears uh, some attention. Again, all of these people must, this is forced to, they can't put it off. They have to liquidate a portion of their holdings at 70 and a half or 72 if this bill gets uh, ratified in the Senate. 
So what does that mean? All these people are going to have to sell a lot of their stocks. Who's going to buy them? I don't know. If everybody's know. <laughs> selling, yeah, if everybody's selling, it's kind of like Social Security. The only way the stock market's going to stay inflated is if the younger people buy stocks. So therein lies the problem. So folks, here's, what, here's the moral to all of this, and we're going to cover this in the next two weeks. If you have a current IRA, 401k, 403b, 457, lump sum pension, you need a game plan, and a game plan with an experienced retirement specialist who understands all of the different unintended consequences that could result from you not taking action to set up that game plan. So why don't you do that? Why don't you just say, look, I want to take control of my finances. I'm not going to just leave this to chance. Why don't you log on right now to TonyWalkerFinancial.com. Once there, what I'm going to suggest is you just click on that Let's Get Started button. That information is confidentially sent to our offices. And then we will arrange a time for either myself to talk to you by phone or meet in person at either our Bowling Green, Louisville, or Lexington, Kentucky offices. Do it today. Log on to TonyWalkerFinancial.com. Click on that Let's Get Started. Or give us a call at 877-499-WALK. 877-499-9255. Well, I'm Tony Walker. I hope you've enjoyed today's show. Remember, next week we're going to dive into those under the age of 70 and a half and give you some ammunition and strategies to help you deal with your tax tumor and your required minimum distribution. But between now and then, you remember if all else fails, you be worry-free. If you got it, you don't need it. If you need it, you don't got it. You don't get it, shame on you. Funny, funny, funny what money can do.